0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. But here we are on Wednesday night Bible study. Amen. If you'll stand with me. Couple right now are in Colorado from a group doing a small Princess Within conference in a prison in Colorado. It's kind of on a small level, but if they get the okay this week, they said they'd let us in their women's prison, their men's prison, it didn't matter. And so we're praying about that. Things opened up while we we're there, Montana opened up. It's just Hopefully in, in around NYC time, right after NYC, we're supposed to be, as I said, in Indianapolis. So we're about that. And uh, Anyway, Genesis 48, we could talk more about that, but we would just doing. You know, like, we cut our songs, you know, down on Wednesdays. It's almost like prison. We have a couple songs and then it happens, basically. So that's what I'm trying to do, cause a prison service right here on Wednesday nights. Genesis 48. Verse number one, the Bible states these words. And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. He took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. One told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people. I will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. I hope, with the help of the Holy Ghost, everything I say here tonight will make sense. If not, we'll pray that, The Lord helps the translation from my lips to your ears. But tonight, this is part seven in our Joseph study. And I want to talk about Joseph, a restorer of trust. Joseph being a restorer of trust. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I need you, Jesus, tonight. I pray, oh God, that you see me and you know me. And you see and know these people here this evening. I pray, oh God, that you able to help us, Lord, in the next little while. God, as we once again, Lord, consider and look at your word. God, let your word of God speak, Lord Jesus, to our hearts and to our lives. And God, let it, Lord, draw something out of us and be an encouragement, Lord Jesus, to us. And I pray, oh God, perhaps restore, Lord Jesus, unto us, even that which was restored unto others, Lord Jesus, in the story of Joseph. We will not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the love name of Jesus Christ. I pray. The church say, "Amen." Amen. You may be seated here this evening. So Joseph is on his second visit to his father. His father is basically on his deathbed, and Joseph is visiting now for the second time. Joseph is already at this particular stage, aware of his father's poor health to a certain degree, and he has visited his father already once and basically went over, as as hard as it must have been, but as necessary that it had to be as well, kind of went over his father's funeral arrangements, to put it in modern day terms. His father had told Joseph his wishes that he had concerning his burial, how desired not to be buried in Egypt but he desired to be buried in Canaan the land that they had been from and he wanted Joseph his son mind you he wanted Joseph to take an oath and ensure him and assure him that he would follow through with the wishes that he had now let's bring this close to home and put this in terms that'd be like me setting at the bedside of my father and my father telling me I would really like this sung or this done or this spoken and this to be the place of my burial and then bringing out a contract you know to me and saying now to make sure that you do what I have just asked of you I want us to have a binding agreement right here now how would you feel being that's your parent. And they couldn't trust you enough to follow the funeral arrangements that they're using their last breaths, perhaps, to convey to you. And so Joseph, though, he, he you know, I guess humored everybody. He put his hand under his father's thigh, and he, he made an oath to him, and he followed through. And so with that being said, from just that lone example it appears that Jacob must have some trust issues, right? Has some trust issues, and, and he does have trust issues. And he has some very uh, rightly founded trust issues. There's something I like to say from the onset, from the gate tonight, and that is this. See, the problem with deception is that whether you have been deceived or whether you are the deceiver, is that it breeds trust issues into the hearts of both parties. Whether you're the deceived or you're the deceiver. Because if you are the one that is the deceiver, there's something about it. You just tend to believe that others will be just as deceptive you have been. It's just something you're convinced about since it's something you have practiced. And yet, if you've been deceived, what happens for those of us maybe that's been deceived? You think if it's happened once, finish the sentence, it'll happen again. And so Jacob, though, and I know the story's about Joseph. He'll all tie together here in a moment. But Jacob has this peculiar role that he's been both the deceiver and he's been the deceit. And so his ability to trust maybe perhaps is a little bit more fragile than just the average Joe. But something we must understand concerning deception or something we even understand concerning trust. Trust and truth go hand in hand. That's the reason why deception of any sort and perhaps any degree is one of the biggest trust killers that there is. It's so destructive that Jacob, again, is having difficulty trusting his own son Joseph that he will honor his wishes that he made to him concerning his burial, even though there is no history between him and Joseph in particular where Joseph had ever done anything to make his father think that he wouldn't follow through on his deathbed wishes. And so as we, most of us perhaps know, Jacob, Joseph's father, Jacob's name means supplanter or heel grabber, quite frankly, deceiver. And he was a man that lived up to the characterization of his name. Upon exiting the womb, and I know I might be going through maybe some uh, familiar stories tonight, but I'm just going to tell them for the sake of those that might not be familiar. Upon Jacob exiting the womb, Jacob, there was one that preceded him, his twin brother Esau. And upon exiting the womb, Jacob has a hold of Esau's heel that was nothing more but something that was going to foreshadow what would take place in their lives, even while they were yet in their mother's womb. The Bible says there was a struggle, it seemed like. Mama even noticed this just wasn't the normal movement of twins within the womb, but there's a struggle going on in her womb. Again, also, foreshadowing some of the difficulty that these two brothers, twin brothers, would have with one another. And so Jacob came forth, grabbing his, his brother's heel, His name means supplanter, heel grabber, deceiver, and Jacob was in fact that. He was a deceiver. Jacob deceived his father. Jacob deceived his father, Isaac, by making him think that he was the other son, Esau. We've already looked at this a little bit in our Jacob study. He went in before his father. He had the savory meat that wasn't venison, but it was savory enough to taste like venison. He had uh, his brother's skins on the nap of his neck and upon his body to make himself feel hairy and to smell like his brother. And whenever he enters even to the room where his father Isaac is, Isaac is saying, Is that, is that you Esau that so quickly returned? And he just blatantly just comes out deceiving and lying? Yes. I am Esau, thy son. And so he deceived his father. And that's how he secured the the, the blessing of the firstborn upon his life. But that isn't the only time Jacob ever deceived. Jacob also deceived his uncle Laban. The Bible says it was coming to a closure whenever Jacob was going to depart from his uncle and go back home. But he deceived his uncle Laban by manipulating the outcome of the flocks, those that were ring-strength and those that were not because Laban was going to get such and such and Jacob got these and he worked it out in such a way that he was going to make sure his life, his number of livestock was increasing. And so he was manipulating his uncle Laban. So he is a deceiver. But however... Jacob, though, also had been deceived by his uncle, right? Remember, he's working seven years for the blessed, loved, gorgeous, knockout, Rachel. And the Bible says they go to wedding day and in the morning it was Leah. Amen. So he had been a deceiver, but here he is also being deceived by his uncle, Laban. Amen. Not only that, you got to be careful. When we start talking about deception, you got to be careful about deceiving Because deception has a tendency to foster deception. Jacob deceived his father, and later in our Joseph story, he's deceived by his own sons. If there was ever a story where he closely reaped what he sowed, this would be the story. It's almost ridiculous, as a matter of fact. Because Jacob, as a son, lied to his father, but his sons lied to their father, Jacob. Jacob lied about his father's favorite son because Isaac catered to Esau. He lied about his father's favorite son. Well, all the other ten sons are going to lie to Jacob about his favorite son, Joseph. Right? Right? Jacob has some goats killed to make the savory meat of venison to help deceive his father. The boys, the brothers of Joseph, kill a goat to dip the garment of Joseph in to take back to their father. Is that what everybody's saying, all right? In both instances, jacob uses esau's clothing to help deceive his father in the and jo- that's joseph's story joseph's clothing is used to help deceive jacob you want to talk about a boomerang rang, rang, right? <laughs> there is he could not have even come any closer to reaping what he had sown and the bible says in genesis 45 in verse number 26 so jacob has some trust issues Bob says in Genesis 45 and verse number 26 and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive. Let me put this verse in context for you. The brothers have already learned that Joseph is second in command over Egypt. He has told them, return home, tell our father make haste and come to Egypt. We'll bring everything. We'll supply everything that's needed in order to make the move. And so we have the, the, the brothers of Joseph that are going back to Jacob and they're telling Jacob, Joseph is yet alive and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And the Bible says, and Jacob's heart fainted for he believed them not. Now let's think here for a moment. The same group more or less maybe minus Benjamin, but the same group 22 years earlier had went to dad. Here's a coat we found dad. It's got blood dripping from it. It's goat's blood. And it's dripping from it and we're not sure We don't know. Perhaps you could tell us whether or not this is Joseph's coat or not. And to the affirmative, Jacob said that was Joseph's coat. Look how the Bible plays this out. Genesis 37 and verse 32. There's a lot of scriptures in Genesis tonight, isn't there, brother Zach? Yes, sir. Genesis 37 and verse 32. And they sent the coat of many colors. So this is going back to the story 22 years earlier. And they sent the coat of many colors. And they brought it to their father and said, we have This have we found. Now know, or know now, rather, whether it be thy son's coat or not. The Bible says he, that's speaking of Jacob, knew it and said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Now look at this. So when they come with the deception, Jacob is like, Without doubt, it is his. He has written pieces, something horrible has happened. 22 years later, they come with some news. Joseph is indeed alive. He's the governor over Egypt, and Jacob's heart faints, and he doesn't believe a word they say. 22 years earlier, he's very quick to believe the deception. Now, 22 years later, he's very slow to believe the truth. Today they're saying Joseph is alive. He's governor over Egypt, but he's slow to believe the truth. As a matter of fact, it took some convincing and conjoling on the son's part to get Jacob to believe this news. Amen. Because, again, we kind of settle on that thing. And you've been bit once, but he doesn't realize he has been bit. He's just, you know, but he's had the Laban thing, and he's had some other things in his life. Something important, I believe, tonight for us to just tuck back in our minds is this, that whenever we live the life of the deceiver, that has a way of skewing your views. It may cause you to have a tendency to believe the bad. Walk closely here with me tonight. Before you would believe good, and here's the reason why, in my opinion, because playing the role of the deceiver makes you feel like bad is really all you should deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if nobody else knows a deceiver, you know. Sometime you can get in your mind that it should only be bad coming my way because of what I have done. This is what I should deserve. If I say it like this, sometimes the load of guilt that's on the deceiver makes it to where I just can't accept anything that doesn't relate to or mirror the horrible deceptive nature that I've practiced. Notice what the Bible says in Genesis 45 and verse 27. Here, this, this is the, 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 the sons of Jacob. The brothers of Joseph trying to trying to convince Jacob and they told him all the words of Joseph. So beyond just saying he's alive and he's the governor of Egypt, they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw when Jacob saw the wagons, which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father revived. And the Bible says, and Israel said it is enough Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Now. They told him the words. There are two things that brought this enlightenment or this ability to follow through and go ahead with this, to feel like, you know what, uh, I, I can accept this as truth. This isn't a, another deceiving story that's coming my way. And so I, I had to ask myself, what were the words of Joseph? Well, the words that Joseph had spoke to his brothers was this. He says, when you go back, you tell dad that I'm going to get him and I'm going to cause him to dwell in Goshen and that he's going to be near to me, right? along with his other kids and even his grandkids, they're all going to be close. He's going to be able to bring his flocks. He's going to be able to bring his herds. Everything that he has, he do not have to worry about losing out on anything. It's all going to come with him, and I will nourish him in Egypt. And the Bible says whenever Jacob heard the words of Joseph and the wagons, that that convinced Jacob. And he said, it's enough. He said, Joseph is alive. It's good it's true, now watch me here, he's he's accepting, he's alive, that's good, it's true, but look at this, look at this, it can't be too true though, look what he says, I'll piece this together again, he says it's enough, verse 28, Joseph my son is alive, now look what he says, I will go and see him before I die. That doesn't affect anybody maybe but me as I read it today. But it's like it's good he is alive but it's almost a little too good too to be true. I'll go see him before I die. What I believe tonight is this. This is a man that's making a statement about going to see his son before he dies because he believes what's happening to him right now in this moment. This news that's come to him right now is too good to be happening to him in his opinion. And so if I'm going to go see him, I'm probably going to go see him. And, you know, life's probably going to be pretty short and over by then because, see, I'm a deceiver. I don't deserve being able to cast my eyes upon the son that I thought was dead for 22 years. Everybody's like, mm mm-hmm. yeah. But listen to me. I'm telling you this. If you ever fall into the vice of deception, all of this will ring back clear home to you, what I'm speaking to you right now. Because whenever you live that type of life, you'll see things come down the alley that you can't accept because you think it can't happen to me because of where I've been, the stories I've told and what I've done. And he says, so that's great. He says, well, I'll go see him before before I die. So much so, he's carrying around this, this guilt, this shame, this too-good-to-be-true stuff because of playing the role of the deceiver. So much so that after Jacob is even reunited with Joseph, he says in Genesis 46 and 30, and that's not up there, he says this, he's been reunited. Joseph has hugged his daddy's neck, he's cried on the shoulder, and, and Jacob says, now let me die since I have seen thy face. I mean, the man seems to be swaying, and the balance here is that I don't deserve anything more than this. I deserve death. I don't deserve anything more but just being reacquainted. I even don't deserve any years with him just to be able to see him. That's all that I deserve. I mean, Jacob has just been reunited with his assumed dead son. He's been moved to this place, Goshen. It's going to be provision for him and his family. The the, the seven years of famine are are, are in pursuit. And yet his attitude seems to be somewhere down here because he's been the deceiver, see. Even whenever he is taken by his son Joseph into the presence of Pharaoh. Pharaoh. He goes in and look how his attitude even is before Pharaoh. It is a drudgery. The Bible says in Genesis 47 and verse number 8. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob. Joseph's brought his daddy. He's proud. This is my dad. (laughs) We haven't been around each other for 22 years. This is my dad. He brings him into Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says unto Jacob. How old art thou? And Jacob says unto Pharaoh. The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Now listen to him. Few and evil. Do you not see this? Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. He was just saved from famine. Is someone hearing me? He's just been saved from famine. He's just seen the son he had seen for 22 years that he thought was dead. How old are you? I'm this old, but I tell you what, few and evil. How can you be like that? You can whenever you have practiced the life of deceiver because you get in your mind, I don't deserve anything better. Someone hearing me? So here's the words of an old man. I think 130 years old qualifies him as an old man, all right. An old man looking back, he says, "My life has he says my life's been few few years. It hasn't has been as long. <laughs> you all stop it over there. has it been as long as his father said. There's there's those that went before me that lived longer years. He said in the years that I've had, they've been filled with evil." And if he had a chance to go on, he'd probably say, and if things keep going as they're going, I'll probably die soon. Yet according to God's word, listen to me. Now this is his attitude. This is what he's doing. This is what he's suffering from. Yet he's not going to die for another 17 years. He will be 147 whenever he dies. He's going to be given 17 years, not just seeing his son, Joseph, he thought was dead, but 17 years to spend with that son, Joseph, that he thought was dead. Here's the thing. we we'll get to my, my lesson. And I believe there is something about those 17 years with Joseph that through that period of time restores Jacob's ability to trust. Not just people, but it causes him to even remember the trustworthiness of his God. Because the hard thing about deception, when you've been bit by it and when you've been one to do it, it even causes people sometimes to not have much trust and confidence in God. The Bible says in Genesis 48 verses 1 and 2, And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph. This was our scripture text. Behold, thy father is sick. He took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And the Bible says, And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. Notice something in particular, and you go back to verse number one. or I might have you go to verse number two. Joseph hears that dad's sick. Joseph's going to go visit him. It's verse two that I want to have up there. When the sickly Jacob, the deceiver, the heel grabber, the supplanter, when he heard that it was particularly Joseph that was coming, Note the switch right here. Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. Much of the Joseph story until the latter part, Jacob is referred to, called to, spoken about as Jacob. The supplanter, the deceiver. But it's in these latter years of having 17 with Joseph and particularly close here at the time of death, we see the reference more so to Israel. Something about Joseph that awakens the Israel in Jacob. J- Israel comes to strengthen himself and set up on the edge of his bed. If I could say it like this. Joseph had helped restore The trust that Israel had. And I'll explain that. When Jacob left home, he's the deceiver, right? Just got done deceiving his dad. He's the deceiver. And as the deceiver, as the deceiver, and as deceivers are, so to speak, they are way too strong for God, so to speak. Why? Because you use deception as a means to accomplish, get secure, what you want you depend on you so as a deceiver Jacob is so to speak too strong for God because anything he's going to accomplish or get is going to be by his deception he prevailed everybody say prevailed he prevailed by deception but since that was the case since that was the case there was a instance Whenever Jacob is on his return home after receiving Rachel and Leah and having some children, he's on his way home. He sends everybody else over a brook by the name of Jabbok. The Bible says he stays there that night alone and he has a wrestling match with an angel, which happened to be the Lord himself. And God weakens Jacob by touching the hollow of his thigh, there in that wrestling match, he touches the hollow of his thigh, and he weakens Jacob in that moment. It was in that moment that Jacob went from wrestling, from fighting, to now holding and clinging. He was holding on. He was clinging. If I can say it like this, he went from fighting now to a place of clinging, of trusting. And the Bible says in Genesis 32 and verse 27, in that whole scenario right there, he said unto him, the angels did, what is thy name? What does he say? And he said, Jacob, deceiver, supplanter, heel grabber, that's me. And he said, the angel of the Lord said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. Amen. Jacob prevailed, not by a means of deception. He said, who's your name? He told him exactly who he was. He wasn't off coloring it. He wasn't trying to bring something underneath the radar. He told him exactly who he was. Jacob prevailed by clinging, by holding. If I say it like this, Jacob prevailed by Trusting, he was honest and he was trusting. He didn't make an attempt in this moment to deceive, but he trusted and prevailed. Jacob deceived, but Israel now is going to be the one that trusts. Uh huh, it's going to be the one that trusts. So, whenever Jacob is laying on his deathbed and he hears that it's Joseph that's coming. And Joseph has been so good about awakening inside of him the Israel that he knew back at the the, the river of Jabbok. He's not going to lay there. And speak to Joseph as he spoke to Pharaoh and say, Few and evil days have been my time up here upon the earth. No, he's not gonna speak there and talk about I'm just a man just on a banana, just on a banana, ready to slip into my death. No, he's not gonna lay there and bellyache about all of this stuff. No, he's gonna get and set himself up. Israel is. Notice the switch. Israel's gonna set himself up and come to the edge of his bed, and the first words that are out of his mouth are basically this that God almighty appeared to me many years ago back at Luz Now, everybody falling alone I know it's been a rough week already for me so if this doesn't make no sense to you just chalk it up to brother McGee is out of his head and he needs to go back to prison they might commit me in Genesis 35 now, Jacob was talking about his first time at Luz, which is known as Bethel. Whenever he left his father's house, seeing the ladder ascend, that ascended to heaven, the angels descending and ascending, witnessed the spirit of God that was there. All of those things that took place. But in Genesis 35, this is Jacob coming back home. This is Jacob coming back home. In verse 3, the Bible says, And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Jacob, the Lord, the Lord had even asked Jacob, Jacob, on your return back home, I want you to stop by Bethel. That's where I want you to go. And I want you to build an altar. But listen to me tonight. Jacob, on his return back home, visiting Bethel, which at one time was Love's, that he had visited whenever he left home. Jacob building an altar to God there was more than just simply being obedient. To the request of God that was made in verse number 1. But Jacob establishing an altar there even goes beyond the whole idea that whenever he left home God appeared to him there. And that he, he noticed the presence of God there whenever he fled from home. But he gives the specifics why he's building an altar here on his return home at Bethel. He makes it purely plain to us why. He details it for us and these are the reasons he made the altar to God. The qualifications for him making the altar was this. He said, God answered me in the day of my distress. And God was with me in the way which I Went, you know what he's saying? He's saying God did exactly what God said he would do. You know what that does for a person? Causes them to trust. God did exactly, in the day of my distress, he was there. Everywhere I went, while I've been gone from my father and mother's house, God has been there everywhere that I have went. Uh Uh-huh. Say then, Brother McGee, then why is this that you believe that Joseph is a restorer of faith? Because whenever Jacob gets reunited and back in the arena in the area of his son, Joseph, some of those words that his brothers had to speak to their father were these found in Genesis 45 and verse 7. Because whenever he spoke to his brothers, these would be words that they would speak unto their dad as well. Joseph said this, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Can you imagine? Jacob hearing these words from Joseph. Could you imagine Jacob hearing the backstory? What just bowed facely to me was an act of deception. Josephus of saying was an act of God. The very God, he said, that was sent, sent Joseph before me to preserve me. Hold on, that rings a bell. I remember God telling me on my way back home. I remember him saying that he would be with me everywhere I went. Wait a minute. He would be with me everywhere I went. You telling me those 22 years when I thought my son was dead, God was even there? Are you telling me that during the the start of that famine that entered Israel and us now being shifted from there to Goshen, that that, that, that's the handiwork of God? See, something started to hit on the strings, if you will, of the Israel that was inside of Jacob. Inside of the deceiver, there was something that was starting to be bolstered, and that was his belief and his confidence in his God that he had known. Let me tell you today that if you have found yourself deceived or being the deceived, You are not too far from believing and trusting and having confidence in your God again insomuch that you can even believe that God is just not gonna make the rest of your life just a pattern of woe and dismay and heartache but he has greater things in store for you that you might not believe right now because of where you've been or paths that you have chose but God wants to awaken the Israel inside of you and let you know wherever you have been that's where I'm at. I'm still the God of your distress. Yes. Yes. Huh? How do you know this? Come full circle. I'll tell you how. Because here's Joseph now with two of his boys. Huh? What does Jacob want to do? He wants to bless him. Hmm. Well, what was the scripture said? It's in the New Testament. You are only capable to bless if you have something more than the one that you are blessing. That's the gist of it. For a deceiver to think that he had something that he could bestow, something's changed. Not only that, he must believe what God told him so many years ago. I'm going to make your seed many. You're going to inherit the land that you are. But right now, he's now in Egypt. What's that telling him? He has faith. He has trust. He has belief. Look at the Bible. What it says in Hebrews 11:21. 21. Out of all the things in Jacob's life that could be pinpointed or used in the fame chapter 11 of Hebrews, the hall of faith, of all the different things of stories that could be told, the thing that was told to denote the faith of Jacob was that when he was dying, he blessed both the sons of Joseph? The thing that the he, the thing that the writer of Hebrews pointed to to denote the faith, or if I will, the trust of Jacob, is said that when he was dying, Woo. yeah, when he was dying, Israel set straight up. While Jacob was dying, Israel set up. While the deceiver was being laid to rest, the truster was coming alive. He set up the Bible says he came to the edge Uh, you can read and I've read different things about it today it's not just that he sat up in bed like against the headboard or against the side of the wall but he sat up in a posture being at the edge of his bed so he could get those boys close to him so he could get his hands on him why? he believed him although he had been a deceiver in the past he had something to offer there was something good that could flow from his loins and flow from his hands oh won't hold you much longer but if you consider it and he pours these blessings out upon Ephraim and Manasseh if you begin to read in Genesis 48 and you look how Israel set up if you start reading the Bible says in verse number 8 and Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said who are these Israel did. It says in verse number 10, now the eyes of Israel were dim for age. All right. It tells in verse number 11, and Israel said unto Joseph, I had not sought the seed thy face, and lo, God hath shewed me also thy seed also. Does someone understand what I'm saying here? We've switched now from Jacob that is constantly saying "And Israel said and Israel saw and Israel this and Israel that. What happened? 22 years with Joseph. Something about Joseph saying, God is the one that sent me ahead. God is the one that brought us to this point. God is the one. Something happened in Jacob. He's no longer saying I'm dying, but he's saying now, hallelujah, God has allowed me to live 22 years and I thought I could not offer anything because I couldn't receive anything. I've did too much I've been too bad but he's sitting right there with two boys in front of him and he's ready to tra- transfer Hallelujah. because there was a trust that was restored inside of him ah. <laughs> holy ghost, holy ghost and so then in some of his parting words to his son Joseph it's like man full circle circle. Israel says to Joseph, I'm gonna die. Now he's speaking truthfully here now, okay? Before he was like, you know, 17 years premature. <laughs> Jacob was. As Israel said, I'm gonna die. But what does he tell him? He said, But God shall be with you and shall bring you again into the land of our you say that Jacob slash Israel. how can you say that because I'm trusting again I'm trusting again we can stand to our feet tonight I'm trusting again So, Brother McGee, how does that, I mean, if we're going to be a Joseph, how does does that apply to us? It applies to us in the sense that to everyone that's ever been deceived or ever practiced the role of the deceiver, we need to let them know that God, even in the moments of our less than noble actions that God has never failed to be faithful to us. Yeah. Yeah. That even before we knew God, he was being what you're getting today is it predicated upon what you deserve it's predicated upon who God is because there'd be several of us left behind the door if we're going to base it upon what we deserve (laughs) but the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God is this allows us all to stand in the line single file with our hand out and say thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Oh, if we bow our heads in this place here this evening, it was a restorer of trust to a man that was looking over his shoulder because he had caused others to look over his. I've come here really this evening and just with a motive tonight that if you've ever been deceived, you've ever been deceived, please don't superimpose that upon your God. If you've been a deceiver, please, I'm calling you out of the cave of the feeling like, you know what? If anything's going to happen to me, it's going to have to be bad, terrible, and horrible because of what I've done. That's the only thing that I deserve that, that, because of what I've done. I'm trying to call you out of that. God doesn't operate on the plane like men like you and I work. He wants to call the Israel up out of the Jacob. He wants to call the one that clings to him up out of the one that would normally wrestle with him. He wants you to prevail not on your own, but He wants you to prevail by leaning on him, by trusting in him, by putting confidence in him. Oh, let's bow our heads all over this place if we can just begin praying and we'll, we'll have a song here this evening. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC.